0: Welcome to Brain-Based Parenting, the Boys' Ranch podcast for families. We all know how hard being a parent is, and sometimes it feels like there are no good answers to the difficult questions families have when their kids are struggling. Our goal each week will be to try and answer some of those tough questions, utilizing the knowledge, experience, and professional training Cal Farley's Boys' Ranch has to offer. Now, here is your host, Cal Farley Staff Development Coordinator, Joshua Sprock.
1: Welcome everyone. And thank you for joining us today as we continue through the next part of our model leadership and service adventure. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Mike Mighetter. Hey y'all. Suzanne Wright. Hello. And Mike Wilhelm.
2: Hello, Josh.
1: As we do each week, let's start off by jumping into our question of the day. When I was thinking about today's topic and what to ask for a question, for some reason, camping popped into my head. Because nothing says adventure more than camping. So, what is your opinion on camping?
3: No. No camping. No. No. I prefer indoor toilets. I like heaters. I like air conditioners. I refuse to participate in the adventure of camping. So,
4: when I first got out of college, I did not want to work in an office. I know it's hard to believe now. Um, And so, I went into wilderness programming for my first six years of working in social work. And... It was, at that time, it was a long-term program, and we lived outside. So I worked six, seven days on, three days off, and literally camped out during that whole time. And so at one point in time when I was younger, I loved camping out, didn't mind sleeping on the ground, didn't mind being outside majority of the time. Uh, now that I've gotten older, I have stayed in a yurt at Abilene State Park. Super fun. Mm. Um, but I do prefer it to be a little less rustic. <laughs> so...
2: Yeah, I love the settings to be in the outdoors and all, but that not sleeping in my own bed is yeah that just not very restful and seems like just uncomfortable. I don't know. It's a lot of work. Yeah, my predecessor, (laughs) the the person who was chaplain before me out here, his wife, he loved camping. That was his thing, and he wanted to go camping all the time. And it would be you know, this is a great vacation, right? And his wife yeah. had a saying that if where you sleep is not as nice as where you sleep at home, that is not a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was her go-to saying. I
3: think there was wisdom in those words. What about you, Josh?
1: I love camping. It's one of my favorite things. My family goes camping up in. The mountains of Colorado every every year it's great and I do hope someday to be on Survivor where mm-hmm. you can camp outside so mm-hmm. um,
2: yeah I love it it's it's so you camp in a tent not in a camper. cabin oh yeah in a in a tent Ooh. on the ground there you go yep we we're will, hardcore we yeah. will
3: cheer you on <laughs> yep. in Survivor from the comfort of our own home absolutely <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: today we're finishing out our series about on the model of leadership and service talking about adventure. How would you all define adventure?
4: I think we're going to have some different ideas about what adventure is. And I was just saying, I think it's, um, it depends on the person. It's individualized, I think, what we consider to be adventure. But probably new and novel come to mind when I think of trying something new, going somewhere new, meeting someone new, um, attempting a new skill or that kind of thing. So not just not just kind of some of the things that you might like camping, but
3: anything that's kind of outside your comfort zone.
2: Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Suzanne. What are we Sometimes
3: say? we use the phrase challenge by choice. Mm-hmm. And so I think there has to be some desire to go on that adventure. To be challenged. right? Yeah. You know, I think it's wonderful to try new challenges, but I think you want some choice in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we go back to the foundation of our model of leadership and service, which is safety, I think that to try new things, you have to feel safe in that setting or with the people that you're surrounded by in order to have that spirit of adventure.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking very simply just trying new things. Mm -hmm. But perhaps there's more to it than just trying new things. (laughs) Trying new things where there might be a a, a benefit at hand. Do you think there's a difference between how adults define adventure and how kids
1: define adventure?
4: Oh, yeah. I think just (laughs) the fact that you like to camp and you're younger, Josh. (laughs) I think that just helps illustrate that.
3: (laughs) I think that... Kids don't always think ahead about the possibilities of what could go wrong in an adventure, whereas adults do, because mm-hmm. our brains are more fully developed, right? But if you have a 14-year-old boy standing on a roof and there's a trampoline on the ground, what what does his brain say? Jump, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if that were a 40-year-old man standing on the – now, some would still say jump, right? But a, but a lot of adults' brains would say, what if I miss – what if the trampoline bust? What if, I, what if I break a bone? How long would I be in the hospital? You know, so we, we like to go on adventures, but we have to be responsible. You know, we have to th- think about all the possibilities and kids hopefully have that ability just to have some fun without the responsibility of worry.
2: So you're saying you think the kids are more reckless than, and the adults are more careful?
3: I don't know that that I would use the word reckless, but, but adults have responsibilities that kids don't. And kids aren't restrained or confined by those responsibilities. I would say kids are sometimes more adventurous.
1: So why is that difference between how kids see adventure and adults see adventure important to understand?
4: Yeah, I think we can get so focused on something being dangerous something being scary something being novel that we forget what it was like to be younger and want to explore and do those different things and so kind of like what Suzanne was saying how do we provide those those interests and those that enthusiasm in a way that mitigates all the risk
3: involved with it there's an episode of the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon says I had to leave because they were having fun wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and and so I, I think that's kind of our adult brains, right? There's a specific way to do things in, in a yeah. correct way and a wrong way. And and sometimes we, we take the fun out of an yes. experience because we think, well, they're having fun wrong instead of just a- able to allow that fun to happen. Yes. And
4: I think in those attempts to keep everyone safe, sometimes we add too many rules and too many mm-hmm. restrictions. Mm-hmm. I can remember... Um, the kiddo being in kindergarten and the kindergarten teacher were putting so many rules on the Easter egg hunt oh. <laughs> that they had to concentrate so hard on the rules they couldn't even find the eggs. And so I think we do that a lot with, mm-hmm. with things when we're trying to add too much control and safety to something. We take all the fun and adventure out of it. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <clears throat> I've, I've seen this happen before, um, for <laughs> sure. The uh, Yeah, we used to do a, a particular backpacking trip, and we probably – we're on the other end of that spectrum to where maybe we needed a few more safety rules in place. <laughs> but then we had someone come along one one particular year who was very safety conscious and great person, and you know trying hard to do a good job. But we were so inundated with overwhelmed with all these rules and protocols, and, and to where we were missing the trip itself because Mm -hmm. we were just all we were just consumed with oh my gosh what what's that rule about this what's the rule about this and Mm -hmm. uh, so there's definitely a a point where we can just kind of suck all the magic out of the adventure yeah Yeah. Uh,
3: i think a lot of parents can relate to your child opening a christmas gift and discarding the gift and playing with the box (laughs) and the wrapping paper Mm -hmm. right and And we as adults get frustrated, but I bought this gift, and I put time into this gift, and we want them to play with the gift instead of just enjoying the fact that they're joyful and they're happy in that moment. And whatever brings that joy, we we should celebrate, right? Mm -hmm. So if they want to play with the box, play with that box. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I, I had, I've been reading some recently about the need for unsupervised play. I don't know if you, if if Josh, you, Suzanne, or Michelle have heard any of that out there right now that's in play. And I really appreciate some of the things that's caused me to think about. And obviously, if you're a residential childcare setting like ours, that's difficult to, uh, to do. But even for uh, those listening at home, it seems like there's ways to incorporate some of that to where there's still some safety things in place or watch it from a distance, but to um, but for that, for a child to explore and try new things and, you know, build a fort with their friend or what, you know, to be, it seems like there's imagination and creative capacity. All this awakens when there's a, some unsupervised play that our, probably our culture right now doesn't have much space for that, don't you think? Yeah.
4: Well, and I was thinking unstructured like unstructured, unstructured. play, yeah, right? That's a better yeah, yeah, way.
2: unsupervised. Yeah, because that scared term. me when you said unsupervised,
4: yeah. but, <laughs> but but yeah, unstructured time of, of, to be able to play. Because I think about it, I'm a pretty lazy parent. Um, my kids weren't involved in a whole bunch of activities, <laughs> and then when I talk to my friends, their kids are heavily scheduled. Um, throughout the week. And I used to feel very guilty about that, about I should, you know, get up earlier my kids should stay longer and all this kind of stuff. And um, I do think it's a balance, right? Everything we're talking about with having some safety and some rules and then allowing some freedom and some, um, you know, flexibility with things is following that balance where kids do have unstructured time to be creative and to figure things out without adults telling them how to do something and when to do it.
2: The the capacity just to develop Problem solving Mm -hmm. seems to happen through good attention to this, don't you think? Mm -hmm. And if everything, all play, everything is is structured without any unstructured um, time, uh, I wonder if our you know we have we're going to have children that don't have their their capacity to problem solve is going to seem to be compromised. Mm
3: -hmm. When my oldest daughter was young. We frequently ate at a Mexican food restaurant that had a sombrero on the wall, and she kept pointing to that hat saying candy cane, and I kept correcting her. And after several instances, I looked, and indeed, there were shapes (laughs) of a candy cane on that hat, and I thought... I'm so limited, right? My brain has been trained yes. to see one thing oh, and have yeah. one correct answer. Right. And her imagination was wide open and she could see things that I couldn't see. Yes. And that was an aha moment for me. Yeah. Yes. And I remember that just
4: with my kids doing artwork. Mm-hmm. You, you want them to have the grass green and the sky blue and mm-hmm. the sun yellow and all those kind of things. And in some ways, it's, it's really sad when we constrain them in that way and try to get them to conform to how we think it should yeah. be instead yeah. of just allowing them to do it. It sounds like we can learn a lot
1: from our kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what does it look like when a child is having success with adventure?
3: Smiles is the first thing that came to mind. I think there is so much that we want our kids to accomplish, right? We want them to do well in school. And if they're in activities, we want them to be successful in those activities. And sometimes we forget how important play is. That goes back to that unstructured play. Mm -hmm. But kids need time to use their imagination and to explore and to try new things. And success with adventurous things doesn't just mean accomplishment or winning, doing doing the best, but it just means that they are willing to try and that they're having fun.
2: Well, I have to guess another horse story. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> um, but just this fall there was a young there's a young man that's here from lives in a city and comes to Boys Ranch. And at first when he's here he was pretty withdrawn and lo and behold he decides to come out on a prayer ride. And it, and what we do on a, a prayer ride is we, we, we saddle up and ride two and a half miles west, have a little simple prayer at sunset. And then we ride back under the stars. First time he'd ever ridden a horse. And then of all things, you're even riding back in the dark. Uh, So he really stretched himself. But he he talked on the way back. And he says, you know, when I first got here, I just thought I was going to just do my time. Just do what I need to do until I graduated or went home or whatever. he says, you know, I decided as long as I'm here, I want to try new things. Mm -hmm. And he was so proud of him. He just had this euphoria as he was at this point in the prayer ride where he was on this horse and he really realized he wasn't going to die. (laughs) And and he was giddy about it. But it seems like it... um, it instills some confidence and they're ready to try other new things. And mm-hmm. And I noticed that as those that are engaged with adventure, it seems like maybe they came in and didn't have much practice with relationships with adults, eye contact and conversation. It seems like the next thing you know, that's another new thing they're trying and maybe whether or not they're realizing it or not, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. How important is it to have that safe, supportive adult to have success with adventure?
3: I think it's very important. I think that all children need a safe base right? So that they can go out and experiment and try new things. But if it starts to feel unsafe or overwhelming, that they've got a relationship with an adult that they can check back in, that they can receive more encouragement or more support or make that choice. I don't want to proceed any further with this adventure, right? I tried riding horses. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it anymore. But that they they have a safe, supportive adult to say, okay, that's good. Thanks for trying. But I honor your decision. I think that
4: I think there's two pieces to what you just said is super important. One is unconditional acceptance, right? So that even if you are unsuccessful, you're still cared for, and you're still valued. Um, I think that's such an important piece to being okay to trying things. And then the other one is that, you know, being okay to say that I don't like this and I don't want to do this. And that that's honored too, because I think a lot of times we try to teach kids you don't ever quit. You do, you know you do mm-hmm. have to do your best at every single thing. And so to give them that freedom to say there's going to be some things you're good at and some things you're not and some things you don't like and some things you do, I think mm-hmm. that is very freeing yes. to allow them to figure that out.
1: What does it look like or what are some warning signs that a child is struggling with having an adventure?
3: I think it's almost impossible for a child to have adventure if they don't first feel safe and if they don't have belonging. So when we look when we look back at all the components of the model of leadership and service – I think they're all important leading up to adventure. And so when you feel safe, when you feel connected to other people, when you have a sense of achievement, you can take that next step and and try things that are new or different or possibly scary. But if you don't have that basic felt safety, then it's almost impossible to try new things.
4: You know, and then I kind of think of it um, the other way around. Like, I remember we had a, a school that consolidated with ours when I was in high school. And um, they brought these other kids in. And, of course, that's a weird situation because they're all in their own group and we're already established as a group. And the kids um, came in and they they were, at that time, breakdancing was really popular in mm-hmm. parachute pants. And they came in and we were not doing that at my school. And they came in and started breakdancing during the um, lunch period. And that brought them belonging and through that, they got safety because we were all so intrigued that they could do this really cool thing that none of us could do. And I thought it took a lot of bravery for them to do something, but because it was something they enjoyed and they were good at, they were willing to do that in a setting which probably did not feel very safe to them. But because they did it, it brought these other things to them.
3: So so the follow-up question is, then did you start to wear parachute pants and dance? I did dance? have
4: parachute pants. I did not break dance. Okay. That's okay. the sad part about it. <laughs> You wish you'd be the other way around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if our listeners felt that their kids were struggling with having a sense of adventure in their lives, how would you recommend that they help them with this?
3: I think I would look for opportunities that matched the interest of my child. Mm-hmm. So I would start with something that there was an interest in that maybe felt safe, right? If, they're, if they were interested in animals, I might not take them to ride a horse. That might be too big of a step, but we might go visit... Dogs at an animal shelter, or, you know, visit a neighbor's dog. Or I, I just think you start with something that already feels familiar to them mm-hmm. and then expand on that connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: No, I, I think that's good, Suzanne, what you just said. And if uh, you, you wouldn't want to have too many n- new things happening at one time, probably uh, if I'm thinking suddenly I'm in a, I'm a stranger in a new small group. That's going to do something that's a stretch, that's an adventure, but see, that might be too much at once. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if I if I have a a small group that I become comfortable with and familiar with, it's a it's a safe number and there's that safe person that's the mentor leader, then I'm probably ready to go do something. But sometimes we probably can make a mistake of throwing too much at yeah. once, don't you think? Yeah.
4: Well, and I know I've talked about you know my goat yoga and my aerial yoga, but the friend <laughs> I do that with is one particular friend who's very adventurous, and I feel brave when I'm with her mm. because she is so adventurous. I would do, I do things with her that I wouldn't normally do on my own.
2: Now, do you so wear your parachute pants when you do aerial <laughs> <very adult laughs> yoga?
4: I wish I could find those parachute pants. They were orange. Yeah, because well, they might as well be. Were the they
2: MC pants. Hammer pants? Was that who <laughs> no, did? those are parachute different. Okay. <laughs>
3: I, I think that uh, this makes me think about setting New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. and how frequently people set big resolutions or numerous resolutions and within a month. They've not been able to follow through mm-hmm. because it, it was too much, right? And so just as you said, Mike, joining a new group and participating in a new activity may be too much at one time, mm-hmm. right? And so we've talked about this in previous episodes, but to make changes incrementally, make small, small changes, steps. right? Yeah. Small steps, um small connections rather than try some big overwhelming goal or activity at once
1: if a kid doesn't have a sense of adventure in their life what can that lead to
3: i mean i think you miss out on a lot of a lot of
4: things a lot of opportunities to um probably meet some pretty cool people then experience some
3: joy you yeah. might also miss out on opportunities that help you to find your purpose mm-hmm. and learn about yourself mm-hmm.
1: What do you think the impact of kids getting it, their adventure needs met with video games or being so connected with the virtual world that they don't get out into the r- real world and have a real adventure?
2: Oh, boy. I think that's a that's a, a big one. And I've been thinking about that here through this whole discussion, the, the role video games um are playing in this. I, some may disagree with me, but I, I don't think video games taps into this need for adventure, uh, or if it does, maybe, maybe just minimally. And I imagine there'll be a lot of listeners that probably struggle with uh, kiddos at home around video games or, or being on their phones, and you probably nag at them a lot about it. And it's frustrating, and I get that, but uh, there's a mistake we can make in this, and that is to just nag for them to get away from the video games or from the phone instead of inviting them into something better. And that takes some forethought and, and being in, intentional and and takes time, but invite them on into an adventure, and suddenly the video game doesn't have to have the last say, right? Mm-hmm.
1: We have to put our phones
2: and exactly. video games down as well to yes. be, do that forethought and set mm-hmm. things up. Yeah. I know. I, I just know I could get stuck in that mode where, you know, I, I'm frustrated that the child is stuck into the video games or in the phone and then you just want to lecture or nag. But that's not going to help anything. Uh, what I need to do is let's find some ways to do something better together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, invite them into adventure. <clears throat>
3: there was a study uh, done just recently. Where the people surveyed were asked, "Do you think that you could land a passenger plane in an emergency and an overwhelming number of people it was I don't remember exactly thirty to fifty percent of respondents said, "Sure, yeah, I've landed a plane <laughs> on a video game, yep, I sure could I it. could do it right as long as the tower was talking me through it and and so uh, the discussion was they they're not taking into consideration." Like the G-force and the actual physicality of being in that plane. But I thought, we assume that that video world is way more real life than it is. Mm -hmm. So much so that, that, and these were adults who were surveyed, by the way. That's become our reality. And I think that um, there's danger in that for all of us adults as well as children. Mm -hmm. But I love your idea to invite them to something better, Mm -hmm. something different.
2: An adventure.
3: An adventure,
2: a real life adventure. Yeah. Would the video games, Michelle, Josh, uh, Suzanne, uh, help me understand this? It would seem like the video game is tapping into stimulation into the central nervous system, so that there's there's an uh, addictive quality to this. But adventure would be different because there would be. Uh, some nice rush to um, adventure, mm-hmm. but there seems like there's real meaning at the center, rather than just empty, um, just playing upon my central nervous system like a video game would do. Is is? is are you following me? Is that mm-hmm. right? Am I am I off on this, or is there something to that?
4: No, I think that's right. I I don't. I was trying to think how to how you could distinguish. I'm sure there's a biological way you can distinguish that, but. I was thinking about, um, you know, the difference between when we use devices or electronics to connect versus disconnect, right? Because we do both with them. We, We use them to disconnect from the real world, but then we also use them to stay connected to people in ways that are new to it, recently new to us, I guess, as a species. But I think that when we leave out the relational component to anything, we're not it's kind of like having an artificial sweetener instead of sugar, right? It's kind of like it kind of tricks your your brain into thinking you're getting something that you're really not getting. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's kind of the way I feel about video games and, and being on teams and that kind of thing. And virtually, I'm sure there is some aspect of that to feel like you belong and you're accomplishing something, but it's kind of an artificial piece of it instead of in an relation, authentic relationship.
2: No, that makes sense. It would seem like that boredom is a byproduct where we become very uh, dependent on that stimulation. So when we're not getting that stimulation, just by default, uh, a person Mm -hmm. is bored, but adventure seems to be something that um, is a good remedy for our boredom. And I don't, don't know if I've shared this with the group here before on podcast, but there was a a day, one of the uh, groups of young boys out here at boys ranch were having a really bad day. And um, one of our, uh, co-workers out here stop by the house and, and uh, check on them. And uh, the, the people on duty said, well, this is a bad day. You might want to come back tomorrow. And he says, well, I'm going over to uh, the other side of the highway to catalog insects. <laughs> <laughs> would you mind if I took the boys with me? And, and the, the staff on duty says, well, you know, that's really nice of you, but I just don't think it would possibly work. And he says, give me, let me just have a try at it. So, these boys that were having a bad day, okay, they were very dysregulated, got in the truck, they went over the other side of the road, and they were over there for hours Mm -hmm. and didn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. And they were just quiet and intense, and they were looking for different bugs and figuring out from the guide what kind they were, and they were on an adventure.
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it has been an adventure with you all these last several weeks exploring the model of leadership and service. Remember, you might have to loan out your frontal lobes today. Just remember, make sure you remember to get them back.
0: Thank you for listening to Brain-Based Parenting. We hope you enjoyed this show. If you would like more information about Cal Farley's Boys Ranch, are interested in employment, would like information about placing your child, or would like to help us help children by donating to our mission, please visit calfarley.org. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching for Cal Farley's. Thank you for spending your time with us and have a blessed day.